and sing a little this morning. It's good. It's not we. It's It's Rich. Okay, sorry, Rich. We had to out you. Well, good morning. Say good morning to your neighbor. Yell across the room because we're just a friendly bunch of people. And uh, this morning, it's a special welcome to Martha Swaffield, right? Martha, say good morning to Martha. There we go. And everybody say good morning to our friends online. We love our online community. If you ever get a chance and want to check out Vineyard online, you can see there's some cool stuff on that. So um, we're going to get started. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for just your grace and your mercy this morning. We thank you when we don't feel like we're enough, that you are completely enough for us. How awesome is that? We just give up this time to you. Open our ears and our eyes and our hearts just for what you're doing. Holy Spirit, come and just continue to change and mold and shape us. Let's have an expectation of just what you're about to do. We thank you for that. We thank you that this community is gathered here and that it's so special when we gather corporately as well as when we are with you individually. So we thank you for this. Be with our music this morning. Be, as Pastor Brent shares in his message and in our time of ministry afterwards. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So if you feel like standing or however you're comfortable uh, in your worship, uh, please do that. Mind the people around you. Um, but we're, uh, we're going to not only open our, our mouths to sing, but just ask the Holy Spirit to continue to work in us. Cool.
can feel it. Somebody testify. If you believe it, if you receive it, if you can feel it, somebody testify, testify. If you
Well, good morning. Good morning. Amen. All his promises are yes and amen. How many of you believe this morning that he is faithful? Come on now. Amen. 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 All his promises. Such a good, good God. Amen. So welcome to the Vineyard Community Church. We're so glad you could join us here at the Vineyard and all of you at home. We live stream our Sunday services on Facebook, and you can find us on YouTube also. Pastor Brent is preaching from our exciting new study, Why Are We Here and Where Are We Going? Today's message is called Preach the Word, found in 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. Grab your Bible or cell to look up today's text. You also find it written in your bulletin along with a section to take notes. Youth group is canceled. See you again. See you all again June 18th. The Food Resource Center, the Vineyard Food Resource Center is closed tomorrow, June 12th for food bag prep. However, we are open again Tuesday, June 13th. Come help with our monthly produce giveaway. Volunteers are needed. <laughs> our women's brunch and workshop, Jesus Heals the Wounded, is next Saturday, June 18th. In this session, we will look at three different women that Jesus healed. Note, each of these studies are independent. This month, we are having a giant salad bar. Who likes salad? Okay, all right. If you're a woman, you can come. Guys, sorry. Perhaps you can sign up for an ingredient to bring. Here's a teaser from the video for our upcoming women's brunch. We are in Capernaum, and uh, it's amazing. We're right not too far from the Sea of Galilee. And if you think about all of the cities that we know about in the Bible, Jerusalem, Bethlehem, Nazareth, to think that Jesus did so much of his ministry here is really significant. And this synagogue is where he did a lot of his teaching. He healed Peter's mother-in-law. Uh, we saw him minister to everybody, even the working class, which is really uh, what Capernaum consisted of, so. Well, and what I loved about it was this was, I mean, when you circle Capernaum, it is not a big place. Right. I mean, you can yeah. see the end of it over here and the end of it over there and there. So it's a pretty small town. And this is where most of Jesus' ministry mm -hmm. happened. Right. And what I like, and we've actually been talking about on this trip a lot, is doing life in community in right. our mm -hmm. like yes all of us are here in israel and many of us speak and and lead and do these different things but ultimately all of us were saying this is where we 
most need to do life and ministry is like right. in our local church with our local people. And right. that's how Jesus lived. Like yeah. he had a local spot. And right. this is it. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. And it's like all types of people. Mm-hmm. It's like not just, he doesn't just speak to the wealthy, he speaks to the working class. Yeah. It's just the everyday type of people, mm-hmm. everyday doing life with. And that's really, it's really mm-hmm. neat. And I love that here in this city, you go from rich to poor. And then the story between the woman with the issue of blood and the young woman uh, who passed away, whose father or father went to Jesus and said, please heal my daughter. Mm-hmm. It also shows that he cares not just about women, but he cares about all ages, young yeah. and old. Right. So one had an issue of blood for 12 years, and the other girl who was 12 years old died. Mm-hmm. And it shows the width, the gap, the latitude of who God cares about right. and what he wants to do. And I just feel like saying, oh, that's my God. Right. He cares about everyone yeah. across the board. Yeah, in this great. case, he healed Peter's mother-in-law. All right, if you are a lady woman, okay, we want to see you on Saturday. We have such a great time. That's at on June 17th, next Saturday. And also next Saturday, who likes worship? Come on, who likes worship? I do. All right, woo! Drench, an evening, evening of worship next Saturday, June 17th, here at 7 p.m. Don't miss it. We, um, It's just such a wonderful, blessed time. I love worship. I'm going to say it again. I love worship. Anyway, our church is participating in the College Golf Championship for Charity this year. Woohoo! How many guys are signed up for that? Who's going? Uh, Okay. All right. All right. All right. This event takes place at the Firestone Country Club on July 12th through the 16th. Tickets are $25 for one day, with monies going to the charity of your choice. At the event, there will be a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame pinball patio, a kid's zone, and multiple food trucks, as well as concerts following each, day, each day's golf game. See the flyer in your bulletin. Right here. It's there. Everybody got this? Yeah. Okay. Y'all hard again this morning, huh? Okay, all right, I got it. You're sleepy. At this time, Dave Anderson will share the streaming, about the streaming ministry. Hey, good morning. I'm David Anderson. Um, I do the live streaming to Facebook, and... uh, I wanted to come up here and ask uh, for some help. Uh, we need some volunteers for that. Uh, it's part of the AV ministry, so uh, which is part of the music ministry. So it's part of uh, get to be part of a really cool team. You know, it's really been a blessing for me to uh, be uh, more connected to this church through that ministry, and um, <clears throat> we have prayers like before the service we get here at nine o'clock and practice and we have a really great uh, prayer circle so it's been uh, really neat and uh, we stream to about 15 20 people Uh, there's like 14 people watching this right now hey (laughs) Um, 
So yeah, uh, it's pretty easy. You just set up the cameras and push the stream button on the iPad. So, um, there, you know, not a whole lot of qualifications. You know, uh, we have some great training. So, um, you know, pray about it. Maybe it's been on your heart to uh, try to invite somebody to church or how can you, uh, you know, share this wonderful church community and uh, a lot of people watch this afterwards so it's a pretty easy way to you know reach quite a few people um, so yeah see uh, me or Jim or anybody on the AV team if you're interested and we'll get you hooked up thank you I knew that was going to happen. I knew it. Anyway, so give David a hand. Yay. Yay. And please, 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 if you have any interest, please sign up. If you don't, sign up anyway. Don't forget today's offering. We have a small table at, set up at the back of the sanctuary for your offering or, don, or donate on our church website or Facebook. All right. Everybody have a blessed week. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, thank you. And Pastor Brent will be coming up now with our message, Why Are We Here and Where Are We Going? All right, God bless your week. Thank you. Some of you probably know where that's going, but you know, if you're old like me, it's uh, from a famous album called Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd, and the song's called Time, and um, it has to do with time, with, with time in this world and time in our lives and stuff like that, and what we do with that time, and um, I I want to do the most with the time that God has given me here so that I can feel like when I'm all done, when, when this body no longer is able to sustain doing whatever I'm called to do, that I will be able to, you know, feel like Paul says where he says in this passage, you know, I've run the race, I've fought the fight, I've, I've you know, I've fulfilled the charge that God has given to me. I fulfilled the calling that he's given to me. There's a really cool story, and um, I, I ran across it. It was from the 1964 Olympics. I was actually six years old then, so I remember this. Not really, but it was in um, Tokyo. And there was a runner from Sri Lanka who was running in the 10,000-meter uh, run, which 10,000 meters is... I don't know how, how many miles. Anybody know how far that is? 10,000 meters. It's like, yeah, more than I can run. I know. I could run it on my motorcycle. So um, anyway, it's a long run. And um, 
Billy Mills of the U.S. won the race, and this uh, young man named Ranatunaj um, Karanana Nada, I think I don't know if I'm saying that right. He was from Sri Lanka, and he was he was not feeling well that day, and he was four laps behind the winner. So the winners all go through, and this young man from Sri Lanka. Um, Ranatanej was was four laps behind it. Everybody kind of waited for him to just kind of stop and you know go get off the track or whatever. But he kept running. And at first, people were kind of laughing, like, "This is, dude, you didn't win." You know, it's like there's like people are people are already changing their clothes. They're having dinner. You know, they're and you're still running. But then they began to realize that no, he he wasn't going to stop. Until he was done, in fact, it says when the spectators eventually realized that this unknown athlete was determined to finish the race, the jeers slowly turned to admiration, and some applause slowly began to rise across the stadium. As he started on the final lap, the applause grew louder and louder. Now inspired by his perseverance, the crowd encouraged him to complete the race. Cheers and applause erupted as the exhausted athlete finally finished the race. In an interview after the race, Anatonich said, the Olympic spirit is not, not just to win, but to take part. So I completed my rounds. I completed my rounds. And the story became so significant, it made its way into Japanese textbooks. It was one of the things that they taught in school, about just the, pers- the power of perseverance. And... Um, as, as we look at our passage today, that's, that's what Paul's writing about. He's, uh, the Apostle Paul is in prison, and he knows he's going to die pretty soon. He knows he's going to be killed, um, martyred by Caesar, by the Roman authorities. And he knows it. I mean, it's, his time has come. His time is up. It's just about done. And he, he's writing to his protege. He has a protege you know, which I think is always cool to have a protege. I like having proteges. Um, protege, just the name sounds cool. Um, but anyway, the, the, the point being is he's writing to this young, young guy named Timothy that Paul has been basically mentoring and training and, and interning to take his place, to, to continue the work to, to finish the work. I was listening to a broadcast recently, and they were talking about these um, big, beautiful churches in Europe and how so many of them now have become whatever. You know, disco's still kind of big in Europe. That Nobody told them it's not really cool anymore. But anyway, it's big in Europe. Um, or maybe if you like disco, it's still cool here too. Yeah, sure. Um, but anyway, so... But, you know, somebody said, what happened? And, it, and it's like, well... It, Somebody just quit passing the torch. They quit passing the torch. Let's not quit passing the torch. We have, we have a message that, to me, is the most single most significant message in the history of the world. It's, it's, it's so important. It, it's literally life-shaking. 
It's earth-shattering. It's the most important event that's ever happened in the history of the world. We talk about the most important person that's ever existed in the world. And the things that he done, uh, did are the most important things that, that have ever been done in the world. And I like to talk about sports. You know, we're a sports culture. We love to... We have, uh, <laughs> we have this online text thing that some of the people that come to the man cave or the people cave, the human cave, whatever, um, the cave, um, we, we have this ongoing text that's, that's pretty fun and epic. It's like one of the weirdest, most bizarre, funny things that you'll probably ever read if you ever want to go on, become part of the, the text. Is that, am I not supposed to talk about that? Is that, we, they'd be scared, you'd be scared. Yeah, but anyway, you know, we have fun talking about sports. I love talking about cars. I love cars. In fact, I'm just finishing restoring uh, about a 22-year-old um, BMW that I picked up for about $1,500. And um, that's why I'm, I've got the speckle disease. Here's this stuff called Poor 15, and you put it on the subframe. So I, I basically blasted the subframe on the car, and then I put this Poor 15 on. And I tend to not... Like my wife said, I, I, for whatever reason, I've always been, um, you know, fire-ready aim, you know. And so I'm like, okay, we got to get this stuff on here. And then, uh, you know, as I'm getting done, I'm thinking, I, I'll wash this off afterwards. And then I realized that this stuff literally doesn't come off with anything. So then I'm trying everything. I'm thinking, Teresa was, I don't know, taking a shower or something. I think, i got to get this off before she's going she's gonna to go, what did you do? You know, because it's like everywhere. You know, it's like it was like really solid. And um, yeah, it's getting better. It, this is way better. Believe me, this is way better. I, when I go out places, I go, yeah, this is my tattoo. That's an eagle. Can't you tell? It's an eagle right there. It's kind of more abstract. Um, but anyway, I, so, um, um, you know, that's, that's one of my, my, my passions too, is I like to restore old things. I love, I love to do that. But I, I don't want to lose the most important passion in my life, the reason that I signed up, the reason that I'm doing what I'm doing. And that's that I felt like I was called to a mission that, that God called me to, to, res to bring a restoration to this broken world. That we literally have been given the answer to the fallenness and the brokenness of the world that we live in. And we've all been given a commission. We've all been given a mission to bring that message to the people around us and to the world around us and to the community around us and to bring beauty into places where there's, there's ashes and to bring hope to the places where there's despair and to bring laughter where there's, where there's sadness and mourning. We're, we're, we're called to do that. We have the privilege of bringing that message into people's lives. I don't know how many people over the years I've had the privilege of sitting there and telling them, you know, it might seem like life is completely hopeless right now, but I know someone who can turn around hopelessness and who can, who can bring you to a place of hope again. And he has given me the, the privilege of sharing that message with you. And so let me just read the passage. This is a series we're starting on um, 
You know, who are we and where are we going? You know, what is, who, who has God called us to be and what has he called us, what, what, what is the direction that we're called to be in? And today's message is called Preach the Word, but in some ways I put it, um, fulfill your calling, because that's, they kind of go together. Fulfill, that each of you that's here this morning, not just those who are called into vocational full-time ministry, but every one of you who is here this morning, when God created you, he created you with a purpose in, in second, um, in Ephesians 2, it says, you know, that we are saved by grace. It's not anything we do. It's, it's a gift from God. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. And God raised us up. We were dead and God raised us up. But he didn't just raise us up so that we could go, hey, I've been raised up. Yay, yay. You know, I'm alive. I was dead and now I'm alive. I mean, that's wonderful and stuff. But it says that he, he raised us up for we are his workmanship created in Christ to do um, good works that he's prepared in advance for us to do. We are his, and I share this over and over again, um, ad nauseum, and I'll continue to do it because I think it's so beautiful. We are his poemo, and that's the Greek word for workmanship. We are his poem. God has created you as his poem. And you have purpose that has been given to you by God. I don't know what that purpose is for your life. I don't know what the song of your life is. But I want to challenge all of us this morning, like Paul is challenging Timothy, to fulfill the song, to not lose heart, to not give up, to not stop, to not quit, to not just kind of go, you know what, this is just too hard. Or I don't know if I believe this anymore. Or I don't know if this is real. Don't stop. So Paul says in in Second Timothy four, and this is right again. Paul's in prison. He's in probably the a, you know a dank kind of nasty prison, chained up down in the basement somewhere. And and he's writing this, and he says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, who will give an who, who one day will give an account for this whole life that we live. And in view of his appearing in his kingdom, his appearing in his kingdom, what does that mean? Of his coming, of his coming. Paul believed that just as the angel said when, when um, in the book of Acts, when Jesus um, ascended to his throne, they said, you know, this Jesus who has, has ascended will, will return just the way he came. He's going to come back one day. And I believe that. I believe that, that you know, we, I do believe, you know, sometimes we throw that out because there's been so many weird people that have done so much weird stuff with the second coming of Jesus that sometimes we go, you know what, let's not even go there because it just gets weird really quick. But the bottom line is the church historically has believed that that this is this is world is going someplace and where it's going to is a, a complete renewal and restoration by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That when Jesus came, He didn't come just to begin a restoration process on us. Maybe that's why I like to restore cars. I love to I love to restore houses. I love to I love to see things that didn't work, and to be able to put blood, sweat, and tears into them, and then to see them just flourish 
And you know what God loves to do? He loves to see things that, that don't work. And he loves to pour himself into those things and to make those things flourish. And that's you. In view of his appearing and his kingdom, his kingdom's coming. What's his kingdom look like? Well, it looks like what it was like when, like, like Rich Nathan said, his kingdom's going to be like, what would the world be like if Jesus were in charge? There will be no more sickness. There will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more tears. There will be no more hunger. There will be no more racial divisions. There will be no more injustices. There will be no more death or sickness or age or limping around or having to go and, um, and make another uh, claim at uh, workman's comp because I tore my Achilles. That's just my way of telling uh, Connie that I made another claim. That's workman's comp. <laughs> so there you go, Connie. <laughs> I'm too chicken to tell her directly, you know, she says. Not really. Um, anyway, that's really what this whole message is about. I just wanted to get that far and we're done. Um, no, but um, no, I did actually tear. I tore something in my hip. I don't know what. I, I, I seem to not be able to go a year without tearing something these days. And it's just um, Rich Wood one day gave me the nickname Crash. He just said, hey, Crash, how's it going? I'm like... Thanks, Rich. It happened to be a day that I was trying to put a light up on a ladder over here, and the ladder fell down, and I was on towards the top of it. And, um, I don't know. So I don't know where the whole crash thing came from. But um, So anyway, let me move on. So preach the word in season, correct and out of season, correct rebuke, encourage with great patience, careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around themselves a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all circumstances, situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure is near. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. I finished my rounds. Now there in store is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearing. Father, bless these words to us. I, Lord, I know when I read them and when I've heard them preach, sometimes they, it, I've heard some people just kind of use them to beat up people. And, uh, you know, in, I, I guess in, I've heard them used maybe not rightly. And so I pray today that you'd give us a fresh view of these words and that they would really refresh us and that you would use them to recall us to the work that you've called us to do, to the purposes that you laid in front of us, that we kind of know that passion. I pray for everyone here right now that that passion, that thought that they had at one time in their life, that they thought, you know, this is what 
I feel like God has placed me here for. That that would be restored today. Amen. So, let me talk about fulfilling our calling, or as Paul puts it, um, you know, for Timothy, preach the word. And the first part of this is the what. What? And Paul says, in the present, <laughs> this is like, you know, talk about, a, talk about a solemn commission. You know, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Talk about a rallying cry. Really, the king of the universe. And in view, in the presence of the king of the universe, Peter, or Timothy, or Jim, or Denise, or Teresa, I give you this charge. And And in the presence of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, I give you this charge. And this is the charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct rebuke. Encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Tom Wright said, um, and I kind of like this. He said, examination technique is an odd thing. Some who sat back some of those who sat back may have known what they were doing. He's talking about taking a test. When you take a test and the teacher says, okay, there's 10 minutes left, some people will sit there and go, ah, time to get it done, you know? And I don't know if it's because they waited till the last minute or whatever, but maybe they're just going, okay, I want to get everything on this I can get. And some will just go, oh, there's only 10 minutes left. Why bother, you know? Just 10 minutes. What can I do in 10 minutes? He says, examination technique is an odd thing. Some folks who sat back may have known what they were doing. Some of those who wrote even faster may have been disorganized and were simply trying to splash down anything that came into their minds in a vain hope that their examiners might like at least some of it. But I suspect as I looked around the room that the first group were simply shrugging their shoulders and giving up, while the second ones were making the best use of their time. Paul lived his life with the clock ticking in the background. And he wants Timothy to do the same. Jesus has already enthroned his king of the world. And one day we shall see his royal appearing, the time when the whole world will be held to account. There will come a time when the whole world will be held to account. And that's good and bad news. It's good news. One day things will be made right. God will put things to right. He will make everything right. But it's not bad news, but it's challenging news to make sure that we give a good account, right? Like, like I used to tell somebody, you don't want to stand before God and when he's... When he's um, uh, showing you, you know, I don't know how it all works, and, you know, he's showing you the, the replay of your whole life. You know, now they have the, the Apple Vision thing. Have you seen that? It's pretty pretty epic. You know, you can, like, see, like, everything in reality, and I think that's what will happen. God will give everybody Apple Visions, and um, we'll all see it. And one of the things you don't want to do is when you're, when you're watching the, 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 the review of your whole life, 
is just see episodes of reruns of Friends. Like, okay, so what did you do with your life, Brent? Like, all I see is episodes of Friends, which is not nothing wrong with Friends, but, you know, that isn't all we want to do. We don't ever know how close the final day, close to that final day we've come. We are summoned to live each day, each year, as people ready to give account, ready to face scrutiny, assessment, and judgment. For some, this might have meant, oh well, it's going to happen soon, so we may as well stop working and give up. Paul dealt with this attitude in his letter to the Thessalonians. Here he urges Timothy that because judgment's coming, it's important to get on with our work. It's important to get on with it. And he says to, to Timothy, he says, Timothy, I want you to preach the word in season and out. You know, Timothy was kind of timid. He was. It was hard for him to get up. It's hard for me. I woke up this morning and my alarm went off. And I always set my alarm twice. Like I said, at 7 and it's at 7.20 in case I fall back asleep, which I do sometimes. And today I did. But then I thought, the second time it went off, I thought, I don't want to go to church today. <laughs> you know, like, can I call somebody up? Like, I'm feeling sick. I can't. You know, it's like, and then I thought, all right, Lord, give me the strength. Give me the energy. Give me, you know, we don't always feel like doing it. And so that's why Paul says preach in season and out when it's opportune and when it's not opportune. Just do the work. Do the work. Continue, press on with great patience and careful instruction. And he, and he challenges people to, in, in Timothy in particular, because this is his particular calling, um, be prepared in season and out, correct and rebuke. What does that mean? That means to, to help steer. You know, we, we tend to get off... We, you know, we get off. It's it's good to have somebody help us bring us, steer us back on, on course, isn't it? Sometimes we get off course. Don't you want somebody to come along? And you, we don't always like it when somebody does that. And we don't always like it when somebody says, you know, I, I, I don't know that you should. Usually for me, it's God that tells me. It's like, yeah, Brent, you need to go tell your wife you're sorry. And I'm like, I don't want to tell her I'm sorry. She started it. God's like, yeah, but you finished it, so go and say you're sorry. And encourage with great patience. You know, working with people takes a lot of patience. Spiritual growth is slow. We patiently, gracefully, mercifully day after day, year after year, week after week, work with people challenging and encouraging them that they are God's poemo, that you are God's poemo, that you are called to something. We challenge you when I see people that start, maybe start moving in a direction that looks like, you know what, that it looks like you're driving for a wall, you know. Turn left, turn left, you know. So his first, his first thing is the what? What? Preach the word. And, and it's, it's done in, the, in, in view of, of this great commission that he gets. Secondly, he calls us 
to do this because people will not put up with sound doctrine and instead will suit their own desires. They'll gather around themselves a great number of teachers who say what their itching ears want to hear. And it's kind of interesting that the last time, remember the last time we had elections, how smooth that whole thing went? You know, presidential election, remember that? And it's really interesting because what happened during that whole time, we discovered, and, and we discovered it was kind of the first unveiling of, of the, the impact and the influence of algorithms on social media and all our social media devices. So what was starting to happen is, is companies, whether they're, you know, whether Facebook or whoever, Twitter, whatever, companies discovered that if, if, if they found that you genuinely, genu- genuinely tended to like something, they'd keep feeding you that and feeding you that and feeding you that. And they keep feeding you the things that you want to hear. There's an old song by a group called Supertramp, and part of the words of it are, I hear only what I want to hear. I hear only what I want to hear. And that's what he's saying. (laughs) What Paul's saying here is that sometimes we only hear what we want to hear. We don't want to hear about that. If we tend towards the more conservative end, we don't want to hear the other side of social justice and of things like that. If we tend towards the social justice side, we don't want to hear the the other side of things. It, this was brought to me really clearly this week because I what I what I will do for news is I'll just basically go on and I'll find I'll just look up a whole bunch of different stations. Normally I'll just re- kind of briefly read about each thing that's going on. Because, man, man, you could get off on tangents on any of those things at any given time, can't you? And, and this was, I thought this was really funny because it was two very viable, very kind of news agencies that aren't, aren't fla- you know, that wasn't like the, you know, the weird ones you see in the, in the uh, drugstores when you're going to walk out. It wasn't those. But these were the two, they, but they tended to be the, Two of the, you know, represented the more conservative and the more liberal um, views that our world lives in, that this world lives in. And one of them, their headlines for the day was a page-by-page explanation of what's in the indictment, and the indictment being against Donald Trump. That was one of them. That was their headline. And then the rest of the story filled it in. The other one, one of the other ones was this, and and this was... kind of unusual even for them. Crashed Las Vegas UFO witnesses terrified by an eight-foot creature in his backyard that was 100% not human. That was the other one. And so you're getting these two things, and there was nothing said about the indictment, and the, and, and the, the one that was talking about the indictment didn't say anything about the eight-foot creature in his backyard, which I'm not sure. I thought... That's that's kind of even odd for you know it was just odd but I, I and the reason I share that is because we hear what we want to hear we see what we want to see and I want to be guided by God not by any of the major news stations 
I don't want my life in my, you know, the direction of my life to be steered by those things. Like Jay Pathak, our national director, said, people, let's quit being discipled by Fox, CNN, MSNBC, Newsmax. Let's quit being discipled by those things. That's what Paul's talking about here. When he's talking about not printing up a sound doctrine, he's talking about getting, getting sidetracked and being discipled by things that are just weird on both sides. We are, and, and again, not that there aren't some things that we need to be aware of in the news, and not that we shouldn't be involved in the world around us. We do need to be. But what we don't need to be and what I don't want to see is come 2024, another melee like we had in 2020. Amen? That was pretty insane. God has given us a really clear view of what he's called us to. This is what Paul brought to the early churches. We, we don't know exactly what was preached, but we got to have a pretty good idea in the book of Acts. He talks a lot, lot about it. This is in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says this, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For I, what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. The indictment of President Trump. And of second important, the eight-foot non-human alien living in the backyard. Right? Is that what he said? First importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. That he was buried, that he was raised from the dead according to the scripture. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. And then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters. At the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he had appeared to me as to one abnormally born. And then he goes on. And he says, for I am least of the apostles, and I don't even deserve to be called an apostle because I have persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. We have a message that can literally transform this world. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believe. This is what we preach. I don't just preach my experience. I don't just preach what I'm excited about. This is what I preach. God's coming kingdom. So the reason that, that Timothy needs to continue doing, it, doing that is because there's, there's always going to be things pulling people in different directions and pulling people in bad ways and in bad directions. And Paul wants, I can't tell you how many times I've had people like, you know what, we need to really talk about this. And I'm like, really, do we? Are you sure? 
You sure we're not really supposed to be talking about what God's talking about? And Paul finishes this whole thing by saying, well, before this, he actually says um, to Timothy, keep your head, but you keep your head in all situations. Timothy, try and stay level, trying to, and this is a word for all of us too, try and stay level when you're hearing things that you disagree with, when somebody says something that's upsetting to you, try and keep your head. Endure hardship. Doing some of this sometimes is really hard. It's hard to get up in the morning sometimes. This morning was hard for me to get up. Do the work of an evangelist. What does that mean? That means to real simply to just tell people your story. Uh, this week I had somebody, I, I used to, I used to like take like 20 minutes to tell my my, you know, basically my story. And it was really funny. I was talking to this person the other day. She was from the um, workman's comp thing, and she lives here in Wycliffe. And she's asking me about my life. And I said, and it was literally probably one and a half minutes I shared my whole life story. I said, yeah, when I was 13, I turned away from God, you know, started selling drugs, started doing all that stuff. When I was about 19 or 20, God came and visited me and showed me I was going to die if I kept doing that. And he encountered me in that moment and he began to completely transfer, transform the direction of my life and here I am today. And she was like, oh, oh. I don't know if that's a minute and a half, about a minute and a half, right? That was my story. Keep your head. Do the work of an evangelist. And that isn't just for Timothy. We're all called to do that. We have, You guys, if you... If you had if you had a, a a cure for cancer, and you knew that you had friends that had cancer, would you not want to offend them by telling them about it? Well, I don't, you know, I know you have cancer, but I just don't want to offend you, so I'm not going to say anything about it. Really? We we have an answer. Like Jay Pathak was talking about this. He said the phone call that he never gets is the person that calls up and says, Hey, Jay, I live next to your church, and um, I, just, I just want you to know that I'm married and I have a couple kids, and that life is just not working. And if, if somebody were to tell me somehow in some way that could help make this life work, I, I, would, I just need to hear that. I need to hear some kind of message that can help me stay married to my wife, can help me to be a good husband, can help me to finish this life really well. Jay, do you know anybody that has a message like that? Do you know anybody that could bring me and talk to me about that? And Jay said, that's the call that he never gets. But you know what? There's a lot of people out there that are going, if we don't just go and blast them, that need that that are going, my life is not working. People ask me sometimes how I connect. How do you, how do you end up sharing with all these people? I'm like, I listen. I just listen. I listen. Again, Jay Pathak says, don't just listen to the people that are speaking. Listen to the people that aren't. Last of all, 
when, when I see this, when he says, don't lose your head, I always think of the uh, White Rabbit song from Jefferson Starship. It's, uh, you know, the, the White Rabbit from Alice in Wonderland. You know, the, the end of the song is, keep your head, keep your head. Because remember the Red Queen, she's always trying to cut off her head, cut off Alice's head. Keep your head. Keep your head. Because what good advice, keep your head. For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure is near. You know what we do? You know what we're called to do? We're called to pour our lives out like a drink offering. Teresa and I have been here, I don't know, what's going on? How many years have we been? I don't know how long we've been here. Since 1987. So 35 years, something like that. 36, I don't know. But part of what... Part of what I've tried to do since I've been here is there's this cool image in the Old Testament as part of their offering was they would take wine and they'd pour it over the altar until it was all empty. And I feel like part of what Teresa and I have been called to do all these years of doing this is to take our lives and to just pour it out. Pour it out. Pour it out. Pour it out. Pour out your lives. Pour out your lives. For others, pour out your life for your wife. Pour out your life for your neighbor. Pour out your life for your family. Pour out your life for your church community. Pour out your life. I'm being poured out like a drink offering. And I know over the years, and and all of you know this, you know, I've, especially the last like. It seems like the last 10 years, like something's always like going wonky with my body. And part of that for me is pouring my life out. It's pouring my life out. I fought, and then he uses three metaphors here. I fought the good fight. I fought a good fight. He's using a boxing metaphor. I finished the race. He's using a running metaphor. I've kept the faith. He's using a Christian metaphor. Now there's in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but all who have longed for his appearing. All those who have longed for his appearing. What a cool picture. Do you long for his appearing? I think sometimes we're not even sure what that's all about because we hear so many weird stories about, you know, the weird things that are going to happen and all that stuff. And we forget that we're, we're people who are called to long for his appearing. Why? Because he's going to make the world right. He's going to make this world right. He's going to take away these aches and pains that our bodies have. He's going to take away these divisions that we have politically and socially and racially. He's going to heal up the nations. Jesus came that we might have life and have it abundantly. He came to give you hope. We have a message of hope for the world. We have a message. We have the best thing going on in town. And we get to experience that on a daily basis. One of my friends, Steve Shogun, used to say, 
It only gets better from here. And Steve had gone through, he had had a, he went in for a gallbladder surgery at the small hospital. And the laser that was, they did to do it, cut his aorta in half. And they thought he was having a heart attack, so they just compressions for 20 minutes. He spent almost a year in and out of a coma. And it was during that time that this nurse that looked like Whoopi Goldberg came to him and said, Son, when are you going to get your act together? You've got to get yourself up here. And quit being such a lazy bum. And, she, and Steve got really mad at her. And so he, so he ends up waking out of his coma and he's asking for the administrator of the hospital. He's like, who's that grumpy nurse that's, you know, she came and she just told me that I need to get my, I won't use the term she used, my bottom side up and going. And, and the, the, the nursing director person said, we don't have somebody like, there's nobody like that here. And then Steve used to say, you know what? It only gets better from here. After going through all that, he said, it only gets better from here. doesn't mean there won't be horrible things. doesn't mean we won't be thrown in prison. So I want to encourage all of you, fulfill the things that God has called you to. What did God call you to? What dreams have you let die? Father, just come. Help us to fulfill the, the calls, Lord. I, I pray right now for things that you spoke to people a long time ago that they kind of thought, this is never going to happen. It's never going to happen. I pray, Father, that you would come that you'd renew us all with the hope that we have in Jesus, that you'd touch us. I feel like we need to be touched by his love right now and touched by his grace. Touch us with your love and touch us with your grace and fill us up and help us, Lord, to look for opportunities in our world to, to pray with somebody or to share with somebody. Come, Lord Jesus. Move in your people. May we be part of that, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer this morning for just, you feel like you kind of have just sort of given up, like this has gotten too hard. It's too hard. I can't do it. I want you to come and just ask the Lord to come and, and, and meet you. God bless.